Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist, and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I have with me Darren Spears, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Authors Republic. And Authors Republic at Pro Audio Voices is our digital distributor of choice, helping us get our clients' audiobooks out to the widest possible audience. Darren, thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me once again. Today, we're going to go into the weeds. We're going to really dig into the royalties question because a lot of our clients have questions about exactly how does this all work. And I know it can be really confusing. So before we dive in, I just want to kind of make a note about goals and impact because Certainly for most of the the authors that we work with, royalties are typically not the most important goal. Most often, while royalties are important, they're driven more by the desire to have an impact and to really be found by their target audience so that they can do that. Uh, One of the many reasons that we work with you guys at Authors Republic is because you're helping our authors with their, to reach over 50 channels out there in the world, internationally. And that means a lot to us being able to help our clients have an impact. I know that is important for you guys as well. Absolutely. So that said, let's start with uh, sort of on a broader scale, like the categories of audiobook channels. What are some of those different types of distribution platforms you're working with? It's all over the place now. I mean, we had digital retail, uh, we just go traditional, you know, credit, one book, one credit type of systems, your audiobooks.com, your audibles. That slowly branched out into libraries like uh, with Overdrive, who will sell uh, bulk packages of your audiobook. So you, you retain a much higher revenue per unit. But that's because they're selling it as a bulk. And then there's Hoopla, who would be um, more of a rental platform where it's it's library technically, but it's a rental. So you get less revenue per unit, but then the customer never actually owns the book. They would return it. And then we find that you get a lot more units sold. I mean, like exponentially more units sold, even though the revenue per unit is uh, lesser than you might see with an overdrive uh, sale. That moved into uh, what we call pay per listen, which is this was a way of our some of our retail platforms trying to find how they can have an unlimited type of model where people can just consume books as they please without having the problem of uh, I call it the Netflix syndrome, 
where you were, you watch the first five minutes and then you move on to something else, five minutes, something else. And by the end of the day, you've Netflix has been charged for 50 movies where you've only watched, <laughs> you know, five minutes each. Right. So the way of doing that was to chunk up how you consume the audio into like with storytelling, it would be like a 20%. So you'd be listening into 20% chunks and then every 20% consumed would be 20% of what the book, uh, the MSRP of the book. So if somebody listens to all of it, you get your full 100% royalty. But if they only listen to 20%, then you get the 20%. That's the way of, so far, what seems to be the most successful way to handle an unlimited model. Mm. Uh, then this has moved into music channels, which is uh, fairly new for us. This has been another very high unit sold with low revenue per unit, which makes sense if you think of its unlimited model. It's meant for music. People are just cycling through track after track after track. Uh, it might be something where they just have it playing all day, you know, and they might not even be home. Like I remember a lot of time having friends who just have music playing all day and they wouldn't even be in the room. And the same goes for audio when we fit mm -hmm. into there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's as far as we are now. There's no new revolutionary partner or uh, retailers on the market since getting Spotify and the music channels in there. But uh, if they do, then we'll be sending your books there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have a, a sense of any kind of like percentage or do the bulk of audiobook listens or happen in any of those particular channels? Or how does that spread work? Uh, I mean, you could address this from a few different angles. You could say, uh, you know, from a market share perspective, Audible is still number one by uh, our, our title data anyway, but that is decreasing uh, quite a bit every year. In fact, we see if you, if you were to combine uh, just for our numbers, of course, mm -hmm. uh, the library channels together like Hoopla and Overdrive, you actually have the same market share as Audible as far as our sales numbers go, which is uh, such a you know, vast change from even four, three, let's say it's three years ago where they clearly owned 90% of the market. But now we see it, you know, much closer to around 60% uh, just based on our sales data, of course, yeah, which is yeah. great because as you see more, uh, you see less market share for them, there's an explosion of new retail partners. And that's how we can go from having maybe seven in 2016 to over 50 a few years later. Right. So as far as distribution of sales, we will we still see that Audible produces the most sales for us just because of market share. But it's it's very close with the other library channels being added into it. We actually found that if you were to have your book go exclusive through ACX, you would have lost 60% of your revenue just because you're not going everywhere else. So it's a loss, a massive loss. Yeah. So that's that's the one angle as far as market share. The other one would be uh, the genre of your book, that's a that matters a lot. If we're looking at libraries like Overdrive, we notice a lot of nonfiction or classic literature and just magically sells like a couple months before schools are getting ready to give books right. to their kids, right? So that, that yeah. but then the sales will drop off until next year when they spike again. Hmm. Uh, we'll see that in Scandinavia, we find that uh, English romance sells very well, English fiction in general. And that's because they use it as a learning tool to learn English. Oh, yeah. So it's just really interesting when you when you look at like all the different demographics of consumers and uh, how that relates to sales. But um, yeah, it, it's pretty well all over the place. Audible still number one. 
depending on the time of the year, if it's a library channel, you'll make more if you had books that kids might read or mm-hmm. otherwise it's a lot of uh, pretty much the same sales across the board as yeah. far as uh, like with genres and all that. There's no real giant change outside of the yeah. ones I mentioned. A question just occurred to me that I hadn't thought about before and, and just wondering, I know that especially with COVID that there has been a lot of uh, growth in terms of private platforms for content that's appropriate for kids. And just checking, but just do you have access through your distribution model to any of those kinds of networks? Uh, I'd have to know the name. Like, do you have a specific example? I don't. I I will have to look into that and, well, and well, then ask that question yeah. again. <laughs> well, I'll let you know once I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then all, uh, the other one that comes to mind is in terms of the, uh, like, talking books for the blind, where it's content that can be provided for free to uh, those who are visually impaired through that program. Is uh, Do you uh, have a channel or an access point with that particular audience, I'll say? I, when I say audience, that's probably the wrong word. I'm thinking more about their distribution channel than I am about the audience themselves. So are you saying more from a consumer's perspective where somebody who is visually impaired would find audiobooks? Uh, Yeah, I guess I'm specifically talking about like uh, Library of Congress has Mm -hmm. the Talking Books for the Blind program where they're providing content, you know, to a very targeted audience. Just I, I don't think that's something that I've seen that you're currently doing, but I just thought I would ask that question. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that we're necessarily trying to build out. This would be more if if we have even one of our retail partners that is trying to help that consumer base or provide a service for them that would be unique to them, that uh, would it be as needed by, I guess, normative vision, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. yeah. then we would abide by what they need and make sure that the content we distribute to them is formatted in a way that would make it easy for them to service visually impaired people. So like yeah. we're the distribution side, right? When the right. when the retailers tell us what they need, we give them what they need. And if we find one that is trying to help people that are visually impaired or any kind of impairment like that, then we will manipulate our data to make sure that it it gets there. So yeah. That's great. Yeah. Speaking of manipulating data, you had I remember when we had you on the show before that we talked about some of these, uh, the models of, I'll say distribution. That might be the wrong word. <laughs> Trying to choose the right words here. And you touched on this a little bit when you were talking about chunking down the segments for the, you know, um, the unlimited listening experience. So we've got subscriptions. We've got one-off purchases that could be part of a subscription, I guess, or not. Music channels. Uh, Can you tell us any more about, like, how some of these channels require you to change the data, the audio files, so that they work for that model? Yeah. Yeah, so for the most part, we don't touch your audio, especially the content. We would never touch the content of your audio files. We might tweak some things if it means uh, getting the technical specs right, but that would be something as small as, you know, the bit rate is too low. We up the bit mm-hmm. rate, little things like that. But we we really try not to do anything because that's your artwork and that, 
you know, we'll sell it as you think it should be sold. Uh, as far as chunking tracks go, this is something that is exclusive to the music side. And that it's basically Spotify was not meant to be an audiobook platform when they built it. I mean, I know they, they're doing, uh, they take them now, obviously we distribute there, but it was meant as music. So you would never see a song that's, you know, 120 minutes long, like you might see an audiobook track that is. So because of that, the way their revenue model goes is they pay you per track listened. So if we were to take a 10 hour audiobook where each track is an hour, that would make us no money. <laughs> and right, our customer right. would be very angry. But what happens is uh, those tracks are segmented where each track is a couple minutes long. And, and then your 10 track audiobook turns into hundreds of tracks for your audiobook. From a consumer perspective, they would have no idea that it's segmented. It's just right. top to bottom. You know, you can see the tracks, obviously. You can see this is chapter one. Uh, track one of 50. You could see that as a customer. So you can cycle through what you want to see. But if you were to close your eyes and listen to the whole thing, there'd be no interruption. It doesn't hurt the quality right. whatsoever. And that's very important to us. Right. So that's the only place where that happens. Uh, what I was referring to before with uh, chunking, uh, like the 20% chunks, like with Storytel, mm -hmm. that's more of a, a sales model. It doesn't actually impact the tracks themselves. It's just depending on what percentage of the book is listened to by the consumer will reflect the percentage of your total royalty. Right. Okay, cool. So let's play with some numbers here because mm -hmm. I know this is this is where it can get, you know, particularly confusing for folks. So let's imagine, let's just use uh, $10 as a, as a MSRP for mm -hmm. an audiobook. Okay. Now, obviously there are well, obvious to me, because you've also explained this to me, but there are many different percentages and models for the payment of those royalties, depending on the channel that we're talking about. So let's either sort of talk through a few of those, or really what I'm most interested in is sort of how it would might play out in a particular model. So let's say we have, to keep it super simple, a $10 audiobook MSRP with a 10-hour audiobook uh, length. How might, like, what would an author expect in terms of royalties back in their account? Yeah. With the different models. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> I guess it depends <laughs> where it's purchased. This is why it gets, it gets... Right, right. It seems like it's dirty or something, but really it's just when you have 50 different channels all with their own models... There's no, oh, you'd make $5 here. Oh, you would make mm -hmm. $15 here, right? So let's just say with overdrive, how it works essentially is just pouring it on overdrive. Whatever price you give us, 99.999% of the time we honor that. The only time we wouldn't is if it's, you're clearly just, you know, pulling our leg and you're like, my five minute children's book is worth $1,000 and I'm going to get rich from <laughs> right. this. And we've had that. Right. That would be the only right. time. But right. for the most part, our, our users are honest and they give a realistic price. And if they don't, we'll help them with that. So let's say you had a $10 audiobook and it's sold on uh, one of our credit platforms. Of course, I can't say specifically what our royalty rates are. It's confidential. But on average, we usually secure a minimum of 50% with our partners. Mm -hmm fluctuates a little up and down depending on where you go, of course. And oftentimes it's even better than that. Yeah. So on overdrive, that that $10 sale would 
uh, actually be sold at between four and six times higher because they're selling it as a bulk library deal, not a single unit. They're buying like a skid of them, essentially. Mm-hmm, right. So that would mean you would be getting 70% or 80%, depending on the client we have, let's just say 70% of uh, what that was sold for. So you might be expecting three and a half dollars if this was a regular sale where uh, the retailer would take 50%. And then mm-hmm. what's remaining of that is the 70% we give to you. So that would be $3.5. But then if it's being sold at $40, then you're making four times that amount. And you're still making the 70 or 80%, whatever the deal is you have with us. Right. But because it's, an, it's a library channel, it would be much higher, an overdrive library channel. If we looked at this from uh, like a pay-per-listen channel that we like to call them, yeah. then it really depends on what percentage of the book they consumed. If they consumed 100% of it and it sold for $10, then you should expect you know, your 70% still would make any difference. It would still be the $3.50, depending on our terms, of course. But if they only listen to first 20%, then you're only getting... Then technically, that is a $2 sale. And then you're making... I don't have a calculator in front of me, but (laughs) smaller, right? It'd be 20%. (laughs) Right, right. If it's a Hoopla rental, then uh, what they do is they will... They take the MSRP that you give us, and then they fractionate it into... I think it's, I have to look back, but I think it's like 20% mm-hmm. of uh, the MSRP we give them is what they put their price as, but that's because the their consumers are renting it and they never own it. And then you get high volume, but lower revenue per unit. So you would look at things like that and you would think, wow, I'm making way less from Hoopla than I am from Overdrive. But what they're not understanding is that Overdrive is like a bulk sale where Hoopla or So Overdrive would be uh, low quantity, but very high revenue per unit. And then Hoopla would be high quantity, low revenue per unit. So it, it really fluctuates depending on where it's going. But right. for the most part, for, for their, as far as market share goes, it's, you know, it's still credit systems at the top. We'll, we'll see for how many more years that is. And if it's a credit type purchase, then you should be seeing uh, $3.5 per $10 sale. Mm-hmm. And that would be pretty reliable. Yeah, cool. And just to clarify, because I know this is that one of those points where people get confused, and to explain my understanding of why it needs to be expressed this way, mm-hmm. the 70% of the royalties, so that's the amount that comes through from that sale. So the retailer, library, whoever that is running that platform or the channel is needs to retain their piece because they're doing a lot of work on their part, the actual getting it to the customer. Yes. And then you, uh, Authors Republic, is taking from that amount that comes back from Mm -hmm. the retailer, let's say, you're taking a piece to cover the work that you're doing, which is all of this, the establishing, the connections with the different channels, maintaining those modifying, uh, when I say modify, like segmenting, for example, with the music channels, all of this behind the scenes work, managing customer relations, all of these things to cover your piece. And so that 70% then is 70% of the amount that's coming from those external channels. Yes, it's 70% of our revenue from your audiobook. Right, right. 
Yeah. And needs to be expressed that way because every channel is going to be delivering differently, exactly. different exactly. models and and thus. So I just wanted to clarify mm-hmm. that because I think that is often a real confusing point for people. It is. And it's hard to even explain unless you're somebody yeah. that's like yourself, you, you know, you understand these things, but to people that don't really get it, they're like, well, why I, I'm selling my book for $10. Why right. did I only get a dollar fifty royalty? It's like, oh, well, that went through a, a library rental channel. Right. That, that's actually pretty good for that. Like that's higher than the average for that. And then they'll see next week and it'll be, or next month and be, wow, I made $30 off of one unit. I only want to put my book there. But then they only get five (laughs) units sold a month, (laughs) you know, and you got got to do like the whole picture. You got customers all over the place who are subscribed to different models. And we find getting your book out there across the board is the best way to make the most money. Right. Yeah. And to reach the widest audience as well. Exactly. Which is great. And if that wasn't true, our company wouldn't exist because we're only taking 30% of the revenue that we make, right? And if it wasn't successful the way that I'm describing it, you wouldn't be successful with 30% revenue, I can tell you right. that much. Right, right. That's right. Yeah, it's a real uh, testament to the work yeah. that you're doing. And I think it's helpful, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on to talk about this issue, is I think it's really helpful for for authors to try to, at least to begin to get a sense of the the actual, the kind of work that goes into this part of the process, that it's, there's a lot to it. Uh, I know we certainly experience with with audiobook production many times uh, at the end of a project or even partway into it, uh, an author will go, wow, I had no idea. There was so much to, you know, that went into this whole audiobook production process, you know, and so I think it's helpful. It's a little more complicated than just talking into a mic for six hours, isn't it? Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and and the distribution's more complicated than just uploading a file somewhere. You know, that it's so yeah. much more than yeah. that. So but you know what? I, I almost take it as a compliment when or if we have people that think they should be making, you know, ninety-five percent and like, oh, you're just distributing. It's like, well, I'm glad your experience was so simple with us <laughs> that you think it's that easy. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we tried to do. Right. Yeah, it's like the actor on stage, you know, you know, don't want yeah. to show your craft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say that of the different types of channels that the audiobook, you know, sort of that there is a particular model or type of retailer slash library music channel that that where audiobooks sell the best? So best as in most revenue generated? Yeah. In I, total. Yeah, we'll use that. So like as a, everybody's favorite month. Yeah. 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 Jeez, even that's a complicated question because <laughs> I mean, what's the language of the book? What's the genre? Have you put in promotions? Is there marketing? And you know, if there's, let's just say we're just going to base level, completely blank slate, no marketing. Genre is going to be called X. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> duration is just typical six to eight hour book. It's oh God, even that is hard to answer. You know, I think even just what you said in terms of like looking at those parameters is enlightening yeah. because we're what we're seeing is all of these factors are playing into the success of any audiobook and where yeah. it's going to sell the most. Do you find that there mm-hmm. are audiobooks that do best on some of, you know, channels like the music channels? Yeah, we found that uh so some of our own productions that we have that we own rights for 
they were books that were recommended readings during the Black Lives Matter movement. And it turns out that that demographic was heavily on Spotify. And we noticed that book, you know, those books doing pretty well through the year and then boom Mm. to the top, but primarily only on Spotify because that's where those customers were. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, we can't always predict a protest or anything like that to help with sales. But um, like that's what I'm talking about when it's when I say it's so hard to tell you where the best place is. That book didn't do very well on you know Audible or Audiobooks.com, but on Spotify it just sold through the roof. So if you were just to look at that book and assume that every other book would trend just like that one would, so, no, that's not the case. Like we have some books that sell incredibly well on Hoopla and we on other platforms, and then you can take a book by the same author, similar. Uh, genre, similar story. And then suddenly it sells incredibly well on audiobooks.com, not through any promotions or anything. It just happens Mm -hmm. the people there, their customer base likes it. And then it doesn't do as well on Audible or something like that. It's, it's really all over the place. And that's why I say like people that sign up with us, give it a good four to six months to really see what's going on. I mean, in that amount of time, your book should be everywhere. Most of our retail partners will have it up within a couple of weeks, but some of the smaller ones that just can't handle the load that we distribute to them, it might take them a month or a month and a half. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, four to six months should give you a good idea of where your book is going to perform the best. Great. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Looking for a way to get some direction and help with building your author platform and marketing your books and audiobooks? Pro Audio Voices created the audiobook marketing program to help authors like yourself get the support they need at an affordable rate. We work with you to bring your goals together with our marketing expertise to create a customized blueprint, the tools and materials to build your platform, step-by-step instructions, and the team to help you all along the way. For more information, visit ProAudioVoices.com and click on Audiobook Marketing Program. Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Let's talk a little bit about some marketing questions. So Mm -hmm. one is, once they've waited those four to six months, and how would they find the information about where their audiobook is selling best? at that point so we report monthly and that would probably be your best way to see like oh hey hoopla loves my book (laughs) or we're you know platform x really likes this book it doesn't perform as well and on this model and that's actually one point i should bring up is uh books that are shorter duration don't do as well on credit-based systems and that's because if you're paying 14.99 a month you're not going to buy you know billy goes to school you're going to be buying, you know, Game of Thrones or something that's really worth that $14.99. And then on the other hand, those smaller books sell very, very well on Hoopla because it's an easy rental. It's not costing them almost $15 just to listen to a you know five to 10 minute book. Right. Which is also, you know, sort of coming back to why it's so important to have this broad distribution, you know, for authors who have shorter content, if they were to say, go through ACX, for example, they, mm-hmm. you know, which is only Audible and iTunes, and they're going to have a subscription model for Audible, the, you know, the, the uh, exposure in the places where they're most likely to get their revenue 
won't be there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because customers looking for these types of books, they wouldn't do a credit-based system for this type of content. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually looking at that, that very question, you know, and thinking about uh, what authors might choose as their MSRP. If they're in a range where it makes sense to have it at, let's say that we look at the numbers and, and we say, we think most likely Audible would sell it for, you know, thirteen ninety five, right? Do you have thoughts on strategies for what you might recommend in terms of whether they actually put the MSRP at the thirteen ninety five they think Audible might sell it for, or maybe push it up to fourteen ninety five so that it is right in that that slot where the um, you know where the subscription model lands. If your goal is to maximize revenue from subscription models, then pricing your book higher makes sense. If let's say on audiobooks.com, your book is $100, a customer is not seeing $100. They're seeing this book costs one credit. Right. So if your goal is to maximize revenue from credit-based systems, then yeah, you know, jacking up your price is that's a viable strategy. It just means you're going to be doing far worse on every other type of <laughs> revenue model or sales model. Right. Like on a, like a storytell model when in like the chunks of 20%, if somebody's going to listen to 20% of your book, which might just say be two hours and you've priced it at you know, eight, 50 bucks or something, yeah. they're not going to take that gamble of paying that much money for that. They're, they're going to look more towards something cheaper. So Again, it just gets into there's no really one good answer. And this is a good thing in a sense, because if there was one good answer, like there was a few years ago where Audible was king, this is where we should go, then yeah, price your books towards what would maximize revenue from Audible. But with their market share declining, it makes no sense to do that anymore. Unless you have some specific deal with them where they're going to promote the hell out of your book. But usually that's something that... uh, a publisher would get like Random House might get something like that part of their deal with them, right? With their uh, old grandfathered publishing era agreements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. And then let's say because it, you know, if let's say that we have an author who is, we're watching our royalties, we're watching to see those over those four to six months where they're coming in, and we determine, oh, it's almost all subscription based. And or it's almost all music channels. And we decide that that's, you know, that looks like almost all the revenue is coming in from this direction. I want to really focus on that. And maybe it would help if I modified my price. So how easy is it for an author to change their pricing once an audiobook is already live? And how long does that take to actually implement out through the channels? So it's it's pretty quick. All you have to do is let us know you want to make changes. We open your book up to be edited. You can change whatever you like, including the price. Uh, you resubmit it. And all we do is we send an updated metadata feed to all of our partners, which is ingested into our channel system much faster than if audiobooks were accompanying it. Because then it's, it's just a metadata sheet. They just throw it right into their system. Most of our distribution settings are uh, manipulated in a way where it's exactly what our retail partners want. It's not, 
you know, we wish it looked like this, but we're just going to give you our own Authors Republic spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. No, no. If you want Onyx 2.0, you're getting Onyx 2.0. If you want a custom spreadsheet that only you use, which by the way, is really annoying for us, <laughs> <laughs> then we'll do that because yeah. we're just these lovable things that do whatever you need. Uh, yeah. And I just, yeah. So it, it's pretty quick and it, it would, sorry, just no, uh, it's okay. finish up. Changes can be anywhere from 48 hours to four weeks. Yeah. And and that's not us. We usually get it distributed out the within hours of you changing it. That would just be depending on how fast our partners are to flip it over to a new price. Right. Right. And I just wanted to highlight again, you know, that that additional stuff that's behind the scenes that people aren't aware of what you're doing, <laughs> you know, and how that uh, that's a big part of it. You know, if, if someone wanted to try to, you know, do this themselves with all these different channels. First of all, I don't even know if that's possible. Secondly, and I would never recommend that. <laughs> Anybody that thinks it's easy, I will uh, auto forward all of my emails for the next month. <laughs> they can handle that and then <laughs> we'll see what they have to say. Right. <laughs> great. Great. And and then I, I think the other thing that I wanted just to to bring up for our listeners is uh, we, we've talked a little bit about marketing and how important that is. And you and I have talked over, I don't know, it's probably been several years now about, mm. uh, you know, different ways that we can work together to help uh, authors uh, with their marketing, with their, you know, their productions. So I just uh, want to use this opportunity to let our listeners know that uh, we are going to be open. Let's see. How shall I say it? We'll be launching. Uh, we kind of have already launched, but we're it's almost like a second launch on our audiobook marketing program that is where in partnership with you will be able to offer to your clients, you know, the very best best deal so that they can get the most results out of their audiobook distribution. Yeah, exactly. We have always tried to fill that gap of marketing. Marketing is something for a company to do is quite expensive, especially when you have tens of thousands of audiobooks and people that all want their book marketed in the same way for free. Yeah. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so having a partner like you guys will go a long way because we can handle all the distribution, make sure the book's everywhere, and then you guys have great way of uh, getting that book, not just in front of people's eyes, but in the right eyes. Right. Right. And that matters a lot. You could spend a million dollars on marketing, but if it's not to the people that are actually interested in that product, then there's no point of spending it. Exactly. And that's where you guys will come in and help. And uh, we don't have anything official quite yet, right. um, but we are very excited to uh, start working together on this to provide more value yeah. to our users. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I love having you on the show and uh, and chatting with you about these kinds of things. I think it's just so great for our authors to be able to get a peek, you know, behind the scenes on what's going on with distribution and how that works. And, you know, some of the things that they need to be aware of when they're stepping into that part of the process. So, again, Darren Spears from Authors Republic. Thank you so much for being with me today. Well, thanks for having me, and I look forward to the next one. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. 
Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.